Welcome back to episode three of the After Hours with Amanda podcast. Um, I'm not going to lie. I am low-key excited for myself that I actually said I was going to upload on Wednesdays and I have consistently now for three weeks in a row done this because if you know anything about me or if you've even seen my content at all, you know I am the queen of rabbit trails and squirrel. Like when I saw that movie up for the first time and that dog was like, squirrel, squirrel, I was like, it's my spirit animal. They have finally discovered me as a cartoon character. Um, also, before we jump in, can we just talk about how delicious butter croissants are? <laughs> this is very important to touch on. I usually have a smoothie in the morning because, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's a healthy thing to do. I'm in my 30s. I need vitamins, all that jazz, right? Like all the reasons you need to do those things. And I have not had a butter croissant in a bit. Not, uh, not let me tell you, let's clarify. Mama loves her carbs. I eat them all the time. I'm not a stranger to that. But a butter croissant specifically, well, look at me getting emails. I hadn't had in a while. So I ordered one this morning. There's literally nothing better than a butter croissant. It was so delicious. So I am feeling myself, feeling energized, totally caffeinated, and ready to jump into what episode three is. If you've been around, I say this at the and we're three episodes in, I make it sound like we've been here for 20 years. But you guys know I've never claimed to be an expert on anything. I'm merely a parent person sharing the journey of life as a parent, as a wife, and all that goes into that. And so I love sharing with you all. And you know what? If you don't fall into one of those categories, parent, wife, whatever, we're all human beings. And so I've been thrilled to see some feedback from you all that says like, hey, so I don't fall into like whatever demographic you might think, but I'm really enjoying your podcast. So thank you for being here. Um, Today, I want to talk about something that I think we all can relate to. And it's not just as a parent, but it really started to... Um, kind of like show up in importance and how important it was in life as a parent. And that is your inner voice. And I'm going to tell you why this came to me specifically this week. And it is because a couple years ago when I was on the phone, now I make it sound like I'm never on the phone. I'm on the phone all the time with friends. But a couple years ago, I was on the phone with a friend and I was going about, you know how you would, talking about your day. Oh, I'm busy. Oh, I got this going on. Oh, this is happening. And I was just talking to my girlfriend about being tired and feeling just exhausted. It was right after Corey was born. So your girl was tapped and everything just felt like, you know, a tidal wave. So I hop off the phone. London had been playing um, a game while watching a TV show. And so I had not thought anything of it. Paige was at the age where, I mean, she was like two. She was not even focusing on what I was doing. I mean, she was more intrigued by the fruit snack on the floor she found. And London walked over to me and she out of nowhere gives me this hug. And she's like, mom, I'm, I'm sorry. Now let's take into account. She's like four and a half, almost five. And I'm like, what are you sorry about? And she's like, I'm just so tired. I'm just so sorry that you're so tired and that um, I just, you know, I, I feel like it's because of me. Are you tired because of me, mommy? Because it sounded like you were doing a lot of stuff and it sounded like you were tired because of me. And like, I'm not kidding you. I just stood there. And it was like this moment where, you know, when your stomach drops and you feel like, ooh, that like that overwhelming heat, clammy feeling where you're like, oh, uh, 
like you don't know what to do. And I looked at her and I was like, girl, no, it is. No, it has nothing to do with you. Mommy was just talking to a friend. She said, well, it sounded like you were really tired and it sounded like that was because of us. Do you like being a mommy? Talk about feeling dead inside. I had not even said anything on the phone that could have remotely said I didn't like being mom. But what she had heard and what translated to her was, mom's tired because of us. That's a lot for her. And it's not making her seem happy. And it was this realization that we so often create the voice that our kids hear. I mean, how often have you been doing something and you literally can hear your mother, your father, your aunt, your uncle, a teacher, a parent, a family member, whoever it is, in the back of your head, that voice, whether positive or negative, it's in there, right? Even sometimes when you say stuff, you're like, oh, I sound like my mother or, oh, I sound like, you know, whoever in my life. Because that inner voice starts at a really young age. And I think that we forget that one of the greatest things that we can do for our kids is create a good inner dialogue for them. You know, we spend so much time focusing on what we feed our kids, right? How much are they getting of this food? Are they getting enough vegetables? Are they getting enough vitamins? Are they having too much sugar? I don't want them to have too much sugar. Ooh, do I need to dilute the juice they're having? Oh no, definitely not that treat. We spend so much time focused on what we put into their bodies. But what if we took the same amount of time and focused on what we put into their little brains? What are we feeding them on a healthy diet of inner dialogue? And who are we letting contribute to that? I mean, think about it for a moment. How often as we are adult, as adults, and I myself am plagued by this, you hear things in the back of your mind, um, negative feedback you've gotten from a boss, um, past things maybe said by a friend or family or a relationship, things your parents have said to you, I mean, things your kids have said to you that you hear that play on repeat, almost like a record recording. And it plays into how you feel about yourself. And then how do we, on top of that, continue to feed ourselves that type of food for our spirit? And how does it help us? I I, I like to think of this time... <laughs> Last year, school was starting, and I felt like I was on top of everything. Like, let me just tell you, I felt like I had it together. The girls had their supply box. London had her lunchbox that matched her backpack, and I felt like I had got it together. And London came home from school, and she's like, uh, Mom? And I said, yeah, girl. She goes, I need a bento box. I said, excuse me? What are you, what are you talking about? And she's like, well, one of the kids at school told me that plastic bags will kill the turtles and you're killing turtles. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm all for helping the earth and all that stuff. That's not the point of what I'm saying. But I had bought in London these really cool Star Wars and frozen Ziploc bags. And she was jazzed about them. And I was super excited because again, the standards to which we force upon ourselves as parents of meeting certain societal standards or whatever it is, I felt accomplished having Ziploc bags she loved from movies she loved, with a backpack she loved, with a lunchbox she liked, and it all went together. Now she's coming home talking about a bento box. And if I'm totally honest, I had no idea what she was talking about. If you're local, we live in Northern California. There's a sushi restaurant here called Makuni's. And the only other time I had heard anyone say bento box was on their menu as something you could order. So I looked at her and I'm like, you, you want Makuni's for lunch? I'm not going to get you Makuni's for lunch. What are you talking about? And she's like, no, mom, it's a bento box for your food. So of course I call up one of my girlfriends and I'm like, dude, is this a thing? 
And she's like, yeah, it's a thing. And I was like, well, when did this become a thing? Well, I, I got the backpack and the lunch. When did this, when did this come out? When, what is this? Tell me about it. And all at once, what I was so proud of, what I felt so good about, all my insecurities started to creep in. How could you be the only parent that didn't know about this, Amanda? God, do you, great. Now it looks like you don't care. Okay. Oh, well, you know what? It perfectly measures out the food. It makes little spaces for the food. So now you're overfeeding your kids. And I'm not kidding you. The literal domino effect of the inner dialogue that happened in that two minute span of my daughter telling me that we were killing sea turtles with plastic bags to a bento box. I felt like I was dying inside. I was like, well, you failed. The year is over. Just pack it up. Who, who let you be a parent? <laughs> and that inner voice of my own insecurities kept going. And it's so often when you think of, and I compare the two to feeding yourself with food and feeding yourself with your mind, because honestly, they really should be one and the same. We should, we should speak about them the same. Because when you go to eat dinner, I think I teach my kids, there's good fuel and there's fun fuel. Fun fuel is that food that gives us really quick energy, like sugars and other things, but won't keep us running all day, right? And the good fuel is the fuel that's going to sustain us. It's going to make us faster in PE. It's going to make you go down the slide faster. It's going to let you stay up a little later to watch that movie. Like whatever applies to them that encourages them to choose things that are more sustaining. But when we go to dinner, because of that, we eat a little bit of everything. But if you were to go to dinner and even when you were full, you were to continue to consume and consume and consume, you'd get sick, you'd throw up. Like you, you're, you only have so much room in your stomach, but we don't see how we overfeed ourselves and our inner voice every single day from even the little things we tell ourselves. Like, I always think it's really funny when people find out I have three girls, I get two, I get two responses when I find, when people ask me about three girls, one, were you trying for a boy? And the answer is always clearly no. Our third one was a surprise and she's a gift, but we were not trying for anything. And third, they look at me with this very sympathetic facial expression and go, oh, good luck in high school. And see, at first, back when I had London originally, before I started to kind of say, hey, you know what? Maybe that's not what works for me. Hey, maybe I don't subscribe to that belief, right? Until that came about, it made me really nervous. I would hear these horror stories. Oh, High school girls are so emotional. Well, oh, okay, they might have a lot of emotions, but I'll tell you what, in the last few years, the more time I've spent around high schoolers or talking with them or having conversations with them and hearing what's going on with them, the more shocked I am that they're not more, quote unquote, emotional. And I'm not just talking about girls. It applies to boys too. I'm just referencing girls because I have daughters. But this belief that... They're so emotional and it's so unfounded. Well, you're going through high school. Does anybody remember high school? Oh, oh my gosh. Don't ever send me back. Like, I'm so grateful to be in my 30s because high school was, I just didn't enjoy it at all. But we start from a really early point in our relationship with our kids, allowing other people to create an inner voice for us and then us feeding that to them. Oh, she's so strong-willed. Okay, well, that, that in itself is not necessarily negative. But if you view being strong-willed as negative rather than saying, hey, you know what, maybe actually they're going to be a leader. Maybe I can find a way to channel 
that personality and what they need into a positive aspect, teaching them how to encourage others to make decisions for themselves. Maybe they're not strong-willed. Maybe they need more understanding on why you're doing things. Maybe they feel very confident in themselves. So how can we feed that positively to them? How can we change that dialogue in our own inner voice that says strong-willed is negative, which is why I call my girl spicy. I'll say Corey is spicy because she likes it and she does a little dance when I say it because her spirit is very spirited. She does have meltdowns in the middle of Target. She is my child that will literally lie there and take it to like the ninth, tenth inning. She will take it home. We're an OT with her a lot. And the reason that that is seen as so negative is because it steps outside the social norm. So if I looked at her and I go, you are being so bad right now. You're not a good girl. That is not good. So I'm telling her the emotion she's feeling, she's bad for having them. And she's not a good girl. So whenever she goes to feel that emotion or she goes to express an emotion, it has a negative connotation because of what I have fed her on her inner voice. And I'm never more like flabbergasted by this than when I think of dog races. And I don't even know if this is still a thing. But have you ever heard or seen the Greyhound dogs race? This used to be a thing like horse races where you would go to the track, the dog track. Yeah, the dog track. I think it's still a thing. Who knows? And they would chase. It was either a bunny or a fox. And these Greyhounds would chase this fake bunny and fox around and around and around and around. Now, the dogs think they're actually chasing something, right? Because that's in their nature. But really what they're chasing is an illusion. It's not real. It's not, when they catch it, it's not going to bring them any joy or satisfaction. And when it's over, they're going to go and they'll come back and they'll run that same track again, again, chasing the illusion that isn't real. And why will they do that? Well, because from an early time, those dogs have been trained to race. They've been trained to chase that illusion. And I'm so reminded of how that relates to us chasing other people's perception, other people's opinion, other people's standards, allowing other people to feed us what our inner voice would be or should be, rather than saying, wait a second, I know that that looks like something I should be running after, but I need to take a minute. And I see that all these other dogs are chasing it too. And all the, and they're running around and it feels like that's what I probably should subscribe to. But something is telling me it's not real. Like you have to think after these dogs keep running this race, at some point they're like, yo, dude, why are we here again? And one dog wins and isn't satisfied and one dog inevitably loses and isn't satisfied. But they keep chasing it. And that's what it's like when you allow your inner voice to be framed by other people. And now I'm not saying you shouldn't take advice for other people. I love the saying, iron sharpens iron. I love having friends that hold me accountable to be better, to learn more, to expand on things I need to. But when we feed into allowing people to control that narrative for us and how we view ourselves, that's when we take a turn. I mean, let's just take this podcast, for example. Never done a podcast. I have no idea what I'm doing. Maybe some people will love it. Maybe some people won't. But if when I'm done with the podcast, I feel really good about an episode. 
And I go and I have someone listen to it and they go, oh, no, mm -mm, I don't love it. No, uh -uh, I really don't think you should have talked about that. Maybe you shouldn't have done da, 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 da. Now, granted, is feedback helpful? Yeah, because that helps me improve. That helps me create better content for you guys to share. But if I let someone take what I thought was so good and because of their opinion of it, say, okay, you know what? I'm not even going to upload. I'm not going to upload the episode. I'm not going to do it. You know what? It's not even worth it. You're right. I need to start from scratch. I don't even know why I started. I probably shouldn't even begin at this point. Rather than saying, you know what? Actually, I felt really good about that. I felt like it might resonate with one person and, and maybe it would resonate with more. I'm, I'm going to upload it anyway. But then take it one step further. If you allow that narrative to control you, every time you go to do something, it's going to cripple you. And that's what we have to be so aware of doing for our kids. How we talk to them, how we encourage them, how we tell them things. I, in our house, I dis, like I dislike when my children say I can't. Um, and this is not because I think that there's any shame in admitting when you do need help or when it doesn't feel like it's something you can do, right? If it's something outside of our abilities, right? Like I'm not going to ask my one-year-old when she's one to tie her shoe. That's an expectation that's unrealistic. I mean, unless you have a really like with it one-year-old. But I always tell my kids, don't say I can't. Say I need help. See, because we have to start changing that right there. We, we have to look for those micro moments with our kids to make an impact that will sustain them. Because at the end of the day, we need a tool they can put in their toolkit that they can carry with them because we can't always be there. We can't always be there to feed that inner voice. So we have to teach them how to create it. And if we know anything from growing up or if you're any type of teen, adult, wherever you fall, millennial, Gen Z, baby boomer, who cares? You know you've been there and you already live with an inner voice that's been created. So when we have these tiny humans come into the world, why wouldn't we teach them how to have a positive narrative playing? Why wouldn't we want to teach them how to stop themselves mid-thought and change the trajectory of where they were going with that? London last year was in class and she came home one day from art class and she was really upset. And I said, what's wrong, girl? Because I'm just not any good at drawing. I was in class with so-and-so and she's so much better than I am. And I just, I can't even draw a really good nose or ears and I'm awful at drawing. And I looked at her and I said, okay, well, is this your first year in art class trying to draw a portrait? Because they were trying to have them draw little portraits. Very cute, by the way. I freaking love when kids draw self-portraits. It makes my heart happy. And she goes, well, yeah. I said, okay, so you're learning, right? She goes, yeah. I said, so maybe you're not as good as so-and-so, which maybe you don't want to be. Maybe you can take things from her too and improve upon yourself, but you're just not good yet. You're just not where you want to be yet. It's new. And I looked at her, I said, uh, do you think growing up, mommy always knew how to drive a car? And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, that's fair, actually. I said, no, it takes practice. And even I make mistakes. Even I don't, you know, get to that stop sign. My husband hates it. I'll like be going and I'll be like, oh, stop sign. And I like break. And he's always telling me how I'm wearing through the brakes, <laughs> which honestly, I am a terrible breaker. It's true. Um, but I told her, you're not good yet. You're just not there yet. Because we spend so much time focusing on other things with our kids. 
Are they learning what they need to? Are they keeping up in class? Are they eating the right foods? Are they hanging out with the right kids that are going to encourage them, right? Because you don't want your kid to be a bully or be friends with a bully. You know, you want them to be nice. But are we actually teaching them how important it is to be nice to themselves? In a world where we're so focused on teaching kids to stand up to bullying, are we teaching them how to stand up to themselves for themselves? Are we teaching them what that looks like? And are we teaching them how to help their friends do the same thing? I think it's great to live in a world where we all want our kids to be really nice people. I think it's fantastic. But I also want to live in a world where we spend just as much time focusing on the food pyramid as the food pyramid as we do focusing on their little mental pyramid and how we build that. And now it's not even a food pyramid. They've like reworked it to I don't even know what shape it is now. But where we spend time changing how we speak to our kids because they're people. They're not just our kids. And, and teaching them how to speak to themselves. Rather than seeing everything a child does in resistance to how we would do something as negative. Oh, they're disrespectful. Well, are they really being disrespectful right now or are they having an original thought? And if they're having an original thought, are you giving them the space to have it? Are you allowing them to talk that out? Or are we shutting it down to where they'll say, I don't even know why I said it. No one wants to hear it anyways. When our kids come to us and they tell us about their stress, even at a first grade level, I can't imagine a high school level, are we hearing them out or are we just telling them you're invalid because you're not living my life? I'm paying bills. I'm, I'm going to a job every day. I could lose my job. I'm in the middle. And not that that doesn't make our stress less, but are we saying to them, oh man, that sounds hard. Do you need my help? Do you want me to listen? Can I offer a hug? How can we do how can we do a teamwork thing through this and work through that? What do you need from me? Are we teaching them that their feelings are valid and the inner voice inside when it says don't go talk to someone, it doesn't matter? Are we teaching them to say no? Tell someone it matters. I value me enough to stand up to the inner bully. I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, the meanest thoughts that I have ever been said to me are when I look in the mirror. I, I told Lennon this funny story once. She was having a really tough day. And I said, oh, one time I'll never forget. She was really being down on herself. And I said, oh, one time I'll never forget. I was talking with this girl and she looked at me and she said the most terrible things. And Lennon said, oh, my, in her face, oh, What? I said, oh, yeah, you wouldn't believe it. She told me I wasn't smart. She told me no one would like me. She told me I wasn't good enough. And Lennon goes, well, what'd you do? I said, well, I sat there and I believed her for a really long time, Lennon. Lennon goes, were you friends with her? Oh, I said, oh, yeah, best friends. It's best friends with her. She goes, why would you be friends with someone like that? I said, well, I don't know, Lennon. She goes, well, what happened? I said, well, one day I woke up, I looked in the mirror and I said, you need to stop talking to me that way. It's not okay. And she looked at me real confused and she goes, there was a woman living in your mirror? I said, no, girl, it was me. She goes, oh, wait, so you said all that to yourself? And I said, yeah. And she goes, 
well, why would you do that? You don't let us say that to each other. I said, exactly. Why would I do that, London? And she goes, I feel like you're trying to tell me something. I said, oh, <laughs> thank you. I am. I said, London. And I say this all the time. My grandmother, my mom said it to me. There are enough people in this world to tear you down. Don't, don't do it yourself. Our toughest critic will always be ourselves. And if I can do anything for my kids, knowing that one day they're going to go out and they're going to make decisions and I'm not going to be there to guide them with whatever help I think I'm giving, I'm going to give them this tool of changing their thoughts and changing that inner voice because they can't take you in their pocket and you can't stop them from the heartache they're going to feel and the social things they're going to encounter and the negativity they're going to get from others and themselves. But you can teach them not to beat the dog chasing the bunny or the rabbit just because all the other dogs are doing it. And I'm not comparing people to dogs here. So everyone, you know, stay calm. But what I'm saying is, is you can teach them to stop on that racetrack of life and say, hold on a second. That is such an illusion. I don't have to run after that. Actually, forget it. I don't even want to be on this track. This is not for me. And they'll walk away from it. And they'll create their own narrative. Because like I said, chasing after that bunny, other people's narrative, giving it that much control leaves you empty when you're winning and empty when you're losing. Because it's always dependent on what you're waiting to hear. I mean, honestly, think about online comments. The, the, the range of comments people get, right? Positive, negative. They either destroy you or they completely empower you. But I'll tell you what, it dictates how you feel. Because we have to learn to start equipping our kids with tools that we learned about that will actually help them. Because telling your kids how to live and how to think, oh, you are smart. Okay, well, yeah, sure. But you know what they're going to say? Exactly what I did at that age. Well, you're my mom. You have to say that. You have to tell me I'm smart. But are we telling them how to tell themselves they're smart? Are we teaching them how to stand up to their inner bully and say, um, excuse me, Amanda. No, you're not going to rule the day. I am fearless. I'm a queen. I can do this. And whether people like me or dislike me or agree with me or don't agree with me or talk about me or don't talk about me, however that falls at the end of the day, the longest relationship I will ever have is with myself. And it needs to be a healthy one. It needs to not be a toxic one. Because if I'm not going to take abuse from other people, if I'm not going to listen to other people's name, I shouldn't be feeding it to myself. You have to figure out how that works. And you have to start stopping yourself and being self-aware with yourself. Out of self-love, out of self-care. So often people see self-care, I think, as a facial. And don't get me wrong, I just had my nails done two weeks ago, first time in a year, and I feel like a brand new woman. But we focus so much on self-care, right? The outward self-care. And that focuses on inward too, meditating, different things like that. We focus so much on health, what we put into our bodies. But self-care is also treating yourself with kindness and learning how to talk to yourself. It's relearning. You have to unlearn so much. So if we know this and we've lived this long and we still beat ourselves up when we go to try clothes on and we still tell ourselves when we're scrolling online, ooh, she's got it all together. Wow. 
She looks great. Oh, look at them. They're probably working really hard to be on vacation or whatever. Whatever storyline we're feeding ourselves. If when we're having that thought, we don't pop in there as our own little Jiminy Cricket and say, whoa, girl, do not pass go. Mm -mm, This stops here. If we don't start doing it for ourselves, it's going to be really hard for our kids to believe us too. Because kids, they absorb what they see and what we do more than what we tell them. You know, the do as I do as I say, not as I do. Ooh, my grandfather, that was his favorite saying, good night. And it just creates hypocrisy. And it creates a disbelief where we're telling our kids to constantly love themselves, but we're not showing them how to do it. And we're telling them you're smart and you're kind and you're generous and you are joyful. But we're not teaching them how to impart that in themselves. And we're not modeling that. And that doesn't mean anyone's perfect. God knows I have bad days. God knows I, especially with three little girls, I focus, I'm like hypersensitive to the things I say to them. When my kids hop on a scale at the doctors from a young age, I always told them, okay, hop on backwards. Okay, what do you think? And they would guess a number and I'd be like, boom, just right. And I told my doctor's pediatrician from a very young age, I don't want weight talked about. You can weigh them because that's how it goes. And that's what we need to know that they're growing and that things are happening and that we're making sure things are healthy. But when they say a number, I'm like, oh, sounds good. Sounds just right. Because I want to change that narrative for them, knowing how that plagued me. So that's my encouragement for you. That's my hope for you. That so often as parents, we look to how we're raising our kids and the things we didn't have and what we need to do for them. But the easiest thing you can do is free and it's simple. And it's teaching them how to be kind to themselves. And it's you do that by teaching yourself. So today, I encourage you to stand up to possibly the biggest bully in your life. That's yourself. Find an affirmation you love. Find something that you enjoy. I repeat to my kids every night before they go to bed, and I have for the last three years. You know, mommy loves you. You know, daddy loves you. And then I run the gamut of the sisters, Paige, Corey, London. And then I say, you know who loves you most? And they say, Jesus. And I say, you want to know why? And they go, why? And I go, because he made you just as you are, and he loves you exactly as you are. And that's how we do it in our family. And that might look different for you. Um, We're believers, and that's how we are. It might look different for you, the affirmation you share with your child. But I encourage you, affirm them. And remember to have self-care and self-love enough to affirm yourself. Because the more we continue to grow as people, the better we are for our tiny humans. And the more we allow them to change the narrative on who people see them as, oh, they're stubborn. Oh, they're strong-willed. Oh, they're this. Oh, they're that. Don't allow that to place the identity on their life. Teach them. People may say one thing, but that doesn't make it so. You can redefine that. You can say, I might be stubborn, but oh man, I have a really strong belief. Oh, I may be spicy, but you know what? I stand up for myself. You know what? 
Maybe I am a little emotion, but at least I'm in touch with my emotions. Because we don't have to allow others to control the narrative. And we don't have to let it be negative. So that is the end of this episode. As always, thank you for being here. Thanks for enduring the three random emails that popped up. Lord knows that it's actually nothing important, just junk mail. (laughs) But I hope that you're having a great day. Thanks for joining me. And if you get a chance anytime soon, go buy a butter croissant because they're amazing.